Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. You know, we're starting a series today called Reset. <clears throat> and um, let me just, let me debunk first the very thing that I've said we're, we're doing, right? Reset. Because reset implies something, right? It's like this idea that there's a big button that you can come up and you can push and it just changes everything instantly, right? That's the idea behind reset. And I know that many of us want that. Like when we think about where we've been for the last couple of years, we just wish, we kind of wish we could push a button and kind of just start all over again. Have something fresh, something new. And especially around the new year, because the new year tends to, tends to be that for us. Like we're making a lot of new year's resolutions, you know. We, we, want, we want things to be different for us. We, we want some, we, we wish we could push a reset button. But here's what I'm going to challenge you on. This idea of reset here is not so much about a button that instantly results in something for us, but a reset in terms of our spiritual disciplines, in terms of the direction and, 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 and destination that we want to get to. This daily, one day at a time approach to life. Now, we don't like, always like the one-day approach to life. We, we prefer the all-at-once approach to life, right? Like instant is, a, is, a, is a, uh, a very important word in our culture. You put instant in front of anything, and it's better, right? Okay, you aren't tracking with me because maybe you don't agree with me on that, but we, we tend to be that way. Like we want instant results. We don't want to wait for the results, Painkillers, we don't want, you know, fast-acting painkillers. We want instant relief painkillers. It's, instant is kind of how we determine what we're going to eat, for example. You know, it's, we live such a busy life that, that fast food is just something we do, right? Even when we go to restaurants anymore. You can go to a restaurant, and if you have to wait 15 minutes for your, for your meal, you're like, what's going on back there? Are you guys, what's, is there, do you guys even have a cook back there? You know, we get angry because we have to wait 15 minutes. We want things to happen very quickly, right? <laughs> Microwave. I saw an article, uh, uh, maybe it was a couple years ago, but here's the title. That, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say that I read this article, but I did. Um, but here's the title to the article. Seven Secrets to Instant Six-Pack Abs. Like, just in reading the, the title, I'm like, okay, I shouldn't even read this, but I did. Because if there is a secret out there for instant six-pack abs, then, then I want to know, right? I want to know what is the thing that I can do that instantly gives me a six-pack and get rid of this big one-pack that I have, <laughs> you know? Like, if the article says something like, you know, 300 days of hard work for abs, I'm out. I don't want that. You know, we, we, that's, that's why I don't, because it takes so long, right? <clears throat> instant is kind of how we think, right? You put instant in front of anything. We, 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 we get on Instagram while we're eat, drinking our instant coffee, and while we're cooking a meal in our Instapot. Instant. It's part of our culture. It's part of the way we think. In fact, you're probably here in church right now, you're probably saying, I want an Insta church. Or maybe you don't want an Insta church. What you want is an Insta sermon, <laughs> 
<laughs> like, come on, get it, get it over with, Rich. Get it done. Just preach. Hurry. Give me something quick. And because our culture is geared this way, I think what's happened for us is that we want transformation in our lives, but we want it to happen instantly. This is why something like reset sounds good to us because we can press a button and everything that I was before, it's gone and now I'm something brand new. And yeah, there's truth in that in the gospel, but there is a process of sanctification that takes time. It's a one day at a time approach to life, to growing up in Jesus. And that's really what we want to talk about. And so as we kick off this series, my prayer is that, that you would embrace this daily process it's a daily process. I feel like I have to say that again. It is a daily process of sanctification. It does not happen instantly. And I realize that we're here and we're making New Year's resolutions. And I know that some of your resolutions are probably these big, ginormous type of things that you want to see accomplished by the end of the year, and that sounds great. And they tend to, the bigger they, the bigger they are, the, the higher the, the chances of failure. And so we're going to be challenging you to make some small steps and be consistent with some of these, these small steps. And to look, help us with that, we're going to look at a story, a small story. It's, it's found at the end of Luke chapter 2. Now, I say Luke chapter 2, and you think, well, wait, isn't that the Christmas story? Well, it is the Christmas story. What's interesting is that Luke chapter 3 is when the ministry of Jesus starts. So in Luke chapter 3, in verse 1 and leading on, it, it's, it presents John the Baptist, and then it talks about Jesus being water baptized. So the Jesus that we know is the grown-up Jesus, 30 years old Jesus, is in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 2, at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. 29 years pass between Luke 2 and Luke 3. 10,500 days pass between Luke 2 and Luke chapter 3. We don't know a whole lot about those 10,500 days. We do know a lot about the 1,000 days of Jesus' ministry. The things that he did, the words that he said, the miracles he performed, his death and resurrection. We know all of that about him, but we know very little about the 29 years of obscurity prior to his ministry, except for this little passage that we're going to look at that's at the end of Luke chapter 2. Okay, And I think this passage gives us a glimpse into what happened to him during those 10,500 days, what led him to actually launch into ministry. In Luke chapter 3, okay? Um, now, this story begins, he's 12 years old, and so if you have your Bibles, you know, you, when you open your Bibles, you'll know there's, there's like little headings at, at the top of each, you know, paragraph. In mine, here, in mine here, it says, the awkward years. I think, that's, is that what yours says? I mean, he's 12, right? No, it doesn't say that, sorry. It doesn't say the awkward years. But you could, you could think that, right? Because he is 12, like, how many of you want to be 12 again? I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I was 12, you know, like the innocence and the not being responsible for things and whatever. But I don't want to live through 12 again. And so this is where Jesus is at. I mean, he's 12 years old. He's in the temple. Um, I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't know if you even think about this stuff. I don't Okay, maybe I'm a little bit weird, but like I, I'm reading this. When I was reading this this week, uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, uh, that Jesus is 12 years old in Luke chapter 2. When I was reading this this week, it just hit me. It's like, wow, Jesus went through puberty. 
okay, that, like, like you know, he was, Jesus was elevated in my life because he gave his life on the cross for me. He's a, when I realized that he actually also went through puberty for me, man, it just went even higher than that, right? Like, who would really want to do that? Okay, that's totally off topic. I'm not going to go there anymore. But. So this story kind of gives us a glimpse of what happened to Jesus during the 29 years of obscurity. In verse 41, it says, every year, this is very important, some very important words here. Every year, Jesus, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. Two couple words I want you to notice here. Every year and as usual. This kind of speaks to a habit. It speaks to consistency. It speaks to something that is not just a button press and it's done, but it's something that is happening. It's a, reg- it's a discipline that's going on in their life, right? There's a routine that's happening. There's predictability that's going on, right? Now, when we read this passage, it says every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover. Bring up this map um, that I have. <clears throat> they lived in Nazareth. And they would travel to Jerusalem. Now, we, we think that when we read this, because it's kind of in obscurity, we don't really catch the nuances of this passage. We don't realize that this is 95 miles. Now, you might think 95 miles, that's like from here to Des Moines. It's not that far. But when was the last time you walked from here to Des Moines? And it says that every year, as usual, they went from Nazareth to Jerusalem, Joseph, a carpenter, a self-employed carpenter who has to basically close his shop for a couple of weeks, pack up his family, get them all prepared, take them on this 95-mile walk all the way to Jerusalem. It was a five-day straight journey. Then they would have the Passover, celebrate the days, and then it would five days back. So he spent two to three weeks away. This was a big deal for them. And yet... It tells us about that, that, that very thing of traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. It says, every year, Jesus went, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem as usual. In other words, it was their custom. It was their habit. It's something that they would do on a regular basis. And here's what I want to point out. <clears throat> Let's go back to that verse. Um, every year and as usual. There was something about that family culture, Joseph and Mary and Jesus and maybe some other siblings. There was something about that family culture that they learned habits. And I suspect, we don't know a whole lot about the 29 years of Jesus' obscurity, but I suspect that it was in the daily routine and the daily habits that Jesus discovered his purpose. What was it that led him in Luke chapter 3 to seek out his cousin John and they get baptized in water. Was it a, he was just walking one day and suddenly this revelation happened? Or was it over the t- course of time he discovered who he was and what God's purposes was, was for his life? And I, I think and I believe that that's how God wants to speak to us. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you understand this. But each and every one of you, God has designed you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you might right now be missing the mark completely for what he has planned for your life. You might be living in sin. You might be running from God. I don't know. Some of you might be right on target for what God's purpose and plan is for your life. I don't know where you're at, but God has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life, and it's going to be in the daily small things that we do, one day at a time, that he's going to reveal that to you, and it's become a reality in your, in your everyday life. And so we see this... <clears throat> about Jesus, right? So I want to challenge us with that. And I think sometimes we want these huge revelations. You know, like we want this, this, this explosion to happen inside of our mind and inside of our heart, and then we know exactly what God wants. 
And really what we need more than anything else is just a predictable disciplined life. Like we want inspiration. We want Pastor Rich to get up here and just inspire me to change my life completely. But really what you need more than anything else is you need intentionality. You need to say, I want to own my own spiritual growth, and I'm going to be intentional about it, and I'm going to step into that, I'm going to walk in that direction day in, day out, day in, and day out, right? That's what we need. So we discover this about Jesus as well. Jesus discovers who he is and God's plan for him in just the habits of life, right? And we know that Jesus went to the Passover. It says, it says in that verse that he went every year with his family to the Passover. He celebrated Passover a year. We know also from, from the Bible, if you read the scriptures, you read that he, he read the scriptures daily. He prayed daily. Oftentimes he'd go off in, in a, to, to a secluded place to pray. It tells us that he went to the synagogue uh, on a regular basis. You know, in fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. It says, on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. So this is stuff that we understand. Let's just change words out here. Let's say on, on Sunday, he went to church. Okay, so essentially that's what it's like for the, although it was Saturday, it wasn't Sunday, and it was a synagogue, and it wasn't a church. But on Sunday, he went to church, but here's the key, as was his custom. This is what makes this be significant in our lives. The everyday habits of doing something on a regular basis, on a regular basis, on a regular basis. It's his habit. And these habits end up determining the direction of our lives. And that's true for us as well. It was true for him, it's true for us. In fact, who you are and who you'll be by the end of this year is going to be determined by the daily routines that you, t- that you put it, incorporate into your life, and you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to stick with it, I'm going to go all the way to the end of the year with it every day. Every year, Jesus grew up celebrating Passover. What's interesting is that, uh, so, so Joseph, who is the father in this family, is responsible for, for the spiritual education of, of the family, okay? And so Joseph, during Passover, I could just imagine this, I have... Very active imagination when I read some of these passages in Scripture. But I can imagine uh, Joseph calling the family together. They're on their way to pass. They're going to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. They're on their way. So he calls the family together. And, and maybe, maybe Jesus is like six or seven years old. And he said, okay, everybody, uh, sit down on the floor. You know, Jesus, siblings, maybe some few, few cousins in there. He's like, okay, crisscross, applesauce. Is that what they say? Crisscross. You know, whatever. Sit on the dirt. You know, get ready for, for this. And then he starts teaching. And he says, hey, you know, we're going to be celebrating the Passover. You know what the Passover is, right? The Passover is when there was a time when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And while they were in slavery in Egypt, they cried out to God and God heard their prayers. And then God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses and he rescued them from slavery. And then Joseph goes on and says, and one day God is going to send another deliverer, a Messiah who's going to rescue us from our slavery and from our sin. And I don't know, I just have a feeling this little six or seven-year-old Jesus is sitting there listening to us and his heart begins to pound fast as he realizes that that might be me. Or or Joseph is talking about the sacrificial system and he's trying to explain to these little kids why it is that they have to sacrifice a lamb at Passover. And he reads from Leviticus where it says, without the, without the remission, without the, without the, Shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. And again, Jesus hears this, young Jesus hears these words, and and again, his chest is just pounding. Like he knows something's going on. 
And this is just all in habit. It was all in routine. It was just happening year in and year out, year in and year out. So let's look at this. Now we come to this passage in Luke chapter 2. Jesus is 12 years old, and they're going to the temple to celebrate Passover. Verse 43, it says, After the celebration was over, that's the Passover celebration, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Like he didn't have permission. His parents didn't miss, didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among uh, the other travelers, like they're traveling in a group, maybe some family and friends. But when he did not show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search from there. So get a mental picture. They have left Jerusalem. They're on their way back to Nazareth, okay? That's what's happening. And this, this is not like a car ride. They're walking They're on their way back to Nazareth, and they discover that Jesus is not with them. Three days pass, okay? Three days pass. Three days later, they finally discovered, little 12-year-old Jew, they finally discovered him in the temple playing Fortnite with his buddies and having a good time. (laughs) That's what you would expect a 12-year-old to be doing, right? That's not what he was doing. They finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious leaders or teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He's 12 years old. His parents didn't know what to think. This is what Mary says. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Like she's angry. She's disappointed that Jesus would do this, right? Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for, for you everywhere. And then Jesus says, but why did you need to search? And so the implication here is that she should know where he was going to be, right? Why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Do you see what's happening here? It's like this light bulb is turning on for Jesus. Like she says, your father and I, and she's talking about Joseph, and Jesus says, don't you know that I'm supposed to be in my father's house? I think if this was a movie, at that moment, it would pause, it would be silent. Mary and, G- and Jesus would be staring at each other, and Mary would have these questions running through her mind. Does he know? Does he recognize who he is? Does he know what his destiny is? Does he know what his calling is? Yes, he does know. Like he's finally getting it. He's catching it. So this is what's happening. I think this is why Luke includes this story in this passage. It's the only story that we have of Jesus for the the 10,500 days or 29 years of his life. And that is that he makes this declarative statement to his mother, I'm in my father's house. I don't know if if it was at that moment he fully realized it or if maybe, maybe over time it started developing and he you know, kind of recognize it. I don't know. I think what we think about Jesus oftentimes is that he was born omniscient. Like he knew everything. Like he's one year old, he's like, yeah, one day I'm going to die on a cross. Like he, that, he was a, a baby thinking that way. But that's not the case. The Bible tells us, in fact, there's not a whole lot that the Bible says about this, but the Bible does tell us that he grew in wisdom and stature, that he grew in knowledge, that he had this process of growing, and that's the challenge I want to give to us, that God is calling us on a journey of spiritual growth, each and every one of us. It's not enough, it's not enough, hear me, 
to just come to church once, once a week and hear me blab, and then you walk away hoping that that sticks. It's not enough. You need to connect with other people. You need to grow spiritually. It says that Mary and Joseph, when they confronted Jesus, they didn't really understand. They were confused. They were disappointed. She says, why did you do this to me? And I just just want you to catch this. There comes a time where you will have to choose between disappointing God or disappointing your mom. And if you have to choose, disappoint your mom. There'll come a time in your spiritual development as you're growing, as you're becoming more and more like Jesus, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to either disappoint God or disappoint your boyfriend. Choose to disappoint your boyfriend. There's going to come a time as you grow spiritually, as your sanctification process is happening inside of you, that you're going to have to choose to disappoint your boss I disappoint God or disappoint your boss. And if that's the case, disappoint your boss. That's exactly what's happening here. See, here's the thing. There comes a time in our spiritual development where we have to make some choices that says, God, I am all yours. I am surrendered to you and to you alone. And this is what's happening in this very moment. Then verse 51, it says this. It says, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart like she understood at this point that Jesus knew who he was. Thank you. That Jesus knew who he was and what his destiny was. And so she stores these things in her heart. Then in verse 52, we have this. uh, This is the last verse in this chapter. And uh, I think I've heard many messages out of this particular verse. But I think it's important for us to reiterate it more in the context. But um, it's kind of a summary statement of the 10,500 days of obscurity of Jesus, okay? It says in verse 52, Jesus grew. So after this incident at the the temple, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the people. That's what he was doing during these 10,500 days. He was growing up. He was maturing. And sometimes maturity happens in obscurity. Like we don't all like obscurity, do we? We like to be seen. But I think God's best work in us, hear me, this is really important for you to understand. God's best work in you happens oftentimes in obscurity. When you say to yourself, I'm going to get alone with God early in the morning. Nobody sees, nobody knows. That's when God starts working inside of you more than ever before. It's when you decide to get in your prayer closet and you shut the door and nobody knows, right? So I want to encourage you this year, if you really want to make a difference in your life and in the life of others, then seek after God. Hear me, seek after God. You know, get off of Facebook and fall on your face before God. And then when you fall on your face before God and he reveals something, don't post it on Facebook. (laughs) Let God do the work inside of you. Amen? So for 29 years, Jesus is growing and he grows in these four different areas. I'm going to pull them up right here. He grows in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with man. And so I just want to challenge us as my time is almost running out, so I have very little time to do, do this. But I want to challenge us to consider growing in these four areas this year. 
in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor. Let me briefly talk about each one of those. We think of wisdom, for example, we think of wisdom as knowledge, right? Growing in knowledge. Now, these days, it's very easy. We have a lot of access to knowledge, right? I could, I could pose a question. I could, like, I, we, I do, Marco, he's sitting here in the front row. If I'm, if I'm in a staff meeting and I'm confused and I say, I think this is, and I, I mean, Marco, within 30 seconds, has already gone to, on, on Google and he's searched, researched it and he's already given me an answer. That's how quickly we have access to information. But we need to be careful. Wisdom is not equal to intelligence. In fact, if your, wisdom, if your intelligence outpaces your wisdom, what that often leads to is foolishness. There's a lot of very intelligent fools walking around right now. You know some of them. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Jesus was growing in wisdom. He was growing and seeing things from God's perspective. That means he saw, you know, that means you, you know, it's, it's like seeing your, your, your money. You see your money from God's perspective. You see how you raise kids from God's perspective. You see how you, how you engage yourself in church or in serving your community from God's perspective. Seeing from God's perspective. It says also that he grew in stature. I think we can think that that means like height, right? Like Jesus, well, he's 12 years old, so obviously he's going to get taller, right? But really what stature is, referring to is that he goes from being a boy to a man. When I, was, when I wrote this in my notes this week, that he grows from being a boy to a man, I, I thought to myself, well, maybe I need a camp here a little bit. Because <clears throat> there are some men who, are, who act like boys. Like they have beards, and they could buy a beer, but they're still children. You see, a boy is undependable, but a man is reliable. A boy is selfish, a man is sacrificial. A boy makes excuses, a man is accountable. A boy acts tough, a man has courage to be vulnerable. A boy is demanding, a man is patient. Now, I realize I'm talking about boys to men, and you might think, well, like you're a guy here, and you're like, what about her, you know? <laughs> and this applies to both of us. The thing is that there's differences. I can speak for men, boys and men. And there's differences of development, you know, boy to a man, girl to a woman. I, I don't know what those differences specifically are. But the fact is, the point is, is that we all are, are meant to be on this trajectory of maturing, of growing up in Jesus Christ. And then it says he grew in favor with God. Favor with God makes me a little bit uncomfortable when I use that, that language. The Bible says favor with God, but the doctrine of grace is unmerited favor. So it's like, wait a minute. So are we meriting favor or are we not meriting favor? I don't know. Is that, is that what this means? Is that somehow or another Jesus, as he grew up, he was becoming more, God was liking him better? That's not really what it means here, okay? Uh, favor with God is actually, is actually that he, God enjoyed watching Jesus discover and learn and grow in wisdom and own his own faith and discover his destiny and his purpose in life. And it pleased him. That's the idea here between favor, about favor with God. He's pleasing God. Pleasing God. Parents, you understand this, right? Like when your child, your four-year-old starts trying to read a whole paragraph, like you don't love the child more because they can read a paragraph, 
but you're pleased, right? That just pleases you. Or when the child becomes, you know, you don't like a child more when they're, when they're potty trained, or maybe you do, but still, you, you, you're, you're pleased, right? You're, you're happy that they're learning how to, be, how to use the toilet. About a month ago, my daughter in, in Tucson, she's, she's our youngest. She's 23 years old, and she's a lieutenant in the Air Force, and, you know, she's got a whole career going on for her life, you know, very independent person. And um, she, uh, about a month ago, she uh, walks out of her apartment and notices that her car's gone. So her car got stolen, right? And uh, so she calls me right away, and she's bawling and upset, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, she tells me everything. I said, well, did you call 911? She goes, do I need to call 911? I said, yes, call 911. So she called 911, right? And uh, I, all that happens. The insurance finally pays out. You know, the car's gone. The insurance pays out. She gets a significant amount of money for this. The car was already paid off. And so she has a, had a 2019 uh, Kia Sportage. So they gave her a pretty chunk, good size, good chunk of money. And so now she's shopping for cars. And so she, she wants another Kia. And so she calls this Kia dealership, Camelback Kia up in, in Phoenix, Arizona. She calls and she's talking to this guy over the phone and she puts me on, I'm, we're FaceTiming and so I'm listening to her as she is talking to this, this dealer. And she has this question like, you know, and you know this because this is what's going on these days, but there's a price of the car, the suggested manufacturer price or whatever, it's, however you say that. There's a price of the car and then there's this little line right underneath it that says Camelback price and it's like $5,000 more. So the price just automatic, no explanation, just Camelback Kia price, $5,000, and it's, you know, it goes $5,000 higher. And so Katie's talking to him, and this is my daughter. She's our youngest, and she's kind of babied a little bit by us, you know, but I'm listening to her talk to this, to this guy, and I'm like, who is this girl? Like, she's grown up. What in the world? She's like, can you please explain to me this uh, $5,000 difference? And the guy's kind of him-hawing around. He's like, no, 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 please, I need an answer. And she's like being very direct with this guy, you know. And then she goes, well, I don't want to pay that. You're going to have to give me a discount. And, uh, and I'm just, I, Christy and I are listening to her. And we're both like staring at each other. And we're like, wow, that, that pleases us, you know. That pleases us that she is actually, she can negotiate with a, with a car dealer, you know. So this is the idea of it pleasing, it pleasing God. Okay. Uh, th then it says he grew in favor that Jesus grew in favor with man, that sounds a little bit like popularity, but that's not what it was talking about. It's not about him being well-known or famous. It's more about him being known. Like his life is influential. Like he is around people and people want to be around him. And that's really a way that we can grow as well. This is what favor with man is. Like if you go to work and everybody wants to avoid you because you're that hyper-Christian and all you can do is talk about Jesus and, and they don't, they're afraid, that's not favor with man. Now, I'm not saying don't talk about Jesus, but there's other ways of doing it. People want to be around you, favor with man, okay? And then, so Jesus is, is growing this. It's this daily process. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Now, I'm going to try to wrap this up as quickly as I can, but <clears throat> wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man, this is how Jesus was growing. The, the constant word in these four is that he grew, he grew. It was a positive direction. Here's a definition of that word grew. It's a daily process of becoming. It's not a reset button that makes it all happen instantly. It's a daily process of becoming. And this is where a lot of us get in trouble because we, we, um, we don't have the patience for the daily process oftentimes. 
you know. A week passes, two weeks pass, months pass, and we don't see the results that we're looking for, and so we just quit. The scriptures tell us very clearly, and it says, do not grow weary in doing good, because in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not quit. Um, I was reading this book, I've read this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he talks about, kind of gives us a challenge here. You know, if you want to change your life, it starts with making some small changes and do that over a long period of time, okay? And this is how he says it. He says, bring out, he says, a very small shift in direction can lead to a meaningful change in destination. So he talks about two things, direction and destination. And so where are you going? So part of what he's trying to get you to understand is where, what direction are you going in? Is that the wrong direction? Some of you want to, some of you are in this direction and you want to press a reset button and still be headed in that direction but go in a different direction, that's not how it works. And so what he's trying to say is that there's, a, there's some shifts that we can take, small changes that we make that will take us to a completely different destination. And then he illustrates it with this like, pilot that's in Los Angeles, wants to fly to New York, and the pilot makes a decision. He's got a, he's got a trajectory towards New York, but he makes a decision to, to just make a three-and-a-half-degree sh- shift Okay, just three and a half degrees. In Los Angeles, sitting on the plane, three and a half degree shift is 18 inches. It's not very much. But if he stays on that trajectory, he, five hours later, he will land not in New York City. He'll land in Washington, D.C., 220 miles south. And so what is the destination that you want to get to and start making some of these small changes? And that's really how sanctification works for us. As you make these small changes... And over time and distance, it makes a significant difference in the destination where we end up. So here's some questions I want to ask. I want us to ask ourselves. I'm going to try to go through this quickly because my time is already up. Some questions I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself as you think about um, to gauge, to, to ask, are you going the direction you, that you want to be going in? Are you doing the things? Are you growing in those four areas, those particular four areas? First question is this. Did I ask God for wisdom today? So we're talking about wisdom. And here's a question. Did I ask God for wisdom today? That's like, this is not brain surgery. Like, how easy is it to ask God for wisdom? It's easy, right? And because it's easy to do, it's also easy not to do. And this is what happens to us. Is that it's so easy, it doesn't make a difference. Eh, I won't. Did you ask God for wisdom today? That's one question. Another question regarding wisdom is that I listen to wise counsel today. Did I listen to wise counsel today? Jesus is in a temple. He's with the religious leaders, and it said that he was sitting there listening and asking questions. And I want to challenge you to find somebody in your life that, that's ahead of you in your, spirit, in your spiritual journey. Sit on the same journey, going in the same direction, but ahead of you. And tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, can, can, we, can we stay connected? Can we talk? Can we be in relationship with each other? Because I want to learn. I want to get wise counsel. So a question to ask you is, did I listen to wise counsel today? A good place to do that is in our life groups. In fact, I want to challenge you this year. If you're not in a life group, jump into a life group. You need to be in a life group. Because that's where you will grow. That's where you will be able to, to listen to wise counsel. <clears throat> Another question in regards to wisdom is, who did I spend time with today? It turns out that both wisdom and foolishness are both contagious. That's what it says in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who, he who walks with the wise will grow wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So who are you spending time with? All right? 
Who are you spending time with? Ask yourself that question. Because if you're spending time with somebody that's foolish, there's no way you can expect to end up in a place where you're wise. And so if you want to grow in wisdom, ask yourself, who am I spending time with? Questions in regards to growing in favor with God. Here's a good question. Have I been a good steward of God's resources today? Have I been a good steward of God's resources today? Stuff that he's given me. Money, time, energy. You know energy is a resource. And I think sometimes we could throw ourselves so much into work, it depletes our energy, and then we have no energy for anything else. No, I can't serve in church. I'm just tired. I'm worn out. Have I been a good steward of God's resources today? Another question to ask yourself in terms of favor with God is, what sin in my life do I need to repent of today? These are just daily questions. These are just, it's not comprehensive. These are just a variety of different questions. What sin in my life do I need to repent of today? The worship team can come on up if they're out there. I think they're out there. <clears throat> what sin in my life? Romans 8 tells us that it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God if we're living with unrepentant sin. So what sin in my life do I need to repent of today? Here's some questions that determine if we're growing in favor with others. Do I need to reconcile with someone today? Do I need to reconcile with someone? Is there somebody in your life that that there's a broken relationship? And you and 2022, you want to grow up. You want to you want to chase after Jesus, you want to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man, who do you need to reconcile with today? Another question would be, is there someone I need to forgive or someone I need to ask forgiveness from? Who is that? Another question we could ask ourselves in regards to favor with others is, who did I encourage today? You know, we spend time with people. Seriously, just think about that. If that, you, if that became a daily habit for yourself, to at the end of the day, when you're going to bed, you just simply ask yourself, who did I encourage today? Think of some names of people. And if you didn't, I, I guarantee if it's right before you go to bed, I guarantee you're going to wake up with the idea, I need, I need to encourage somebody today. Who did I encourage today? I'm going to ask you to stand. You know, this, this is not a comprehensive list of questions that you can ask yourself. There, there's many more. Um, one of the questions I need to ask myself is, um, who, the, who am I delegating to today? It's, it's a real issue for me. Not delegating. Trying to do it all, my, all by myself, and then I do it not well. You might have questions you need to ask yourself as well. But here's the point. In 2022, if you came to this service today with the idea that I just need an instant solution to there being a complete change in my life, it's not going to happen. There's no reset button that you could push. In 2022, what I want to challenge you to do this year is to commit yourself to some daily small changes. One of the ways you could do that, in fact, you could reach out to Penny Rouse, penny at lifechurchnow.org. She's put out a, a 21 days of prayer and fasting kind of um, 
just an ex explanation of that and, and a, some guide to it. If you would like to jumpstart that with 21 days of prayer and fasting, you can do that. Just uh, email penny at lifechurchnow.org or you could just look it up on our website too. You just email her that way. <clears throat> but this is a way for us to jumpstart this. It's a daily, daily thing. That's how it's going to work. And so my challenge to you is I don't have anything bigger to say. Then what's the small thing you're going to start doing today and then tomorrow and then the day after and the day after and the day after that's going to take you into a different destination? You know what those are. All right? Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. I thank you, Father, that you are here and that you're leading us and that, God, your heart for us is that we grow. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and favor with others, Father. God, will you, Holy Spirit, reveal to each and every person in this room and those who are watching from Wilton and those who are watching from Cedar Rapids, reveal to them, Father, what are the steps? What are the small steps that they need to take? The things that are easy to do and the things that are easy not to do. What are the things that you want them to do, Father, in a daily basis that will lead them to the destination that they desire to see at the end of this year. We thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit's always present, always speaking, always leading us. In Jesus' name.